Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You ready? My fridge, my fridge motor just stopped running, so we got we got no noise is, for. And is this, that a euphemism for something? <laughs> the kids are calling it these days. <laughs> no, it's my fridge makes noise. And last time during the podcast, it was just a miracle that it didn't. But I was worried about recording at home this week because the fridge yeah. is making noise. I don't like this whole precedent where I'm not recording at my office anymore. Look at the fridge motor on that guy. <laughs> He's really got it. He's really got it. It's just old, out there. Old Johnny. <laughs> old Johnny fridge motor. Johnny fridge motor. Look at those coils on that boy. Hey, He's, hey, hey, Johnny. Hey. Your refrigerator hey. running? <laughs> Who are you looking good for? <laughs> Bring that sweet fridge over here. <laughs> Oh boy, <laughs> Mrs. Fridge Motor, did you in fact uh, better go catch it when you and uh, you and Johnny Fridge Motor were dating? Welcome to the Crunch. It is your boy, Morning Ethan, and I'm Patrick. You didn't say Morning Patrick. Oh. Uh- it's actually because we're in different time zones, and I... But it's it's still... It's not like you're in Taiwan. Mm-mm. Yeah, you know. I, okay. I, don't, I, don't just, I don't like that you just assumed my location like that. I, you I happen to be bilocational. Okay. So that's very offensive. Forget I said anything. I just wanted to have a fun introduction. <laughs> Ethan and Patrick in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> we are... It's been a long time since we've done a morning cast. Yeah, since college, I think. I think we cut that crap out when we had like freedom of our own schedules. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing with in college was just that I had like homework, and you know that I wasn't gonna do homework in the morning at seven a.m. So yeah. I had to get I had to get the other stuff figured out. But as it stands, morning podcast. I have to drive to Kansas City today, and I haven't seen my family since Christmas. So I'd rather not arrive home be there for two hours and say well thanks for the hospitality i gotta go talk to the bearded internet boy bye we gotta go we gotta go do that thing and then i gotta you know, edit I gotta, that thing you know i you know i gotta turn that fridge motor on mom i'm busy <laughs> so i guess we are using that as the intro i don't know um i mean why not well that's fair it was a great bit when you said john, <laughs> johnny fridge motor it's, that's funny that's, I'm gonna think about that's, that for that's a while. good that's gold um so you're going to edit, though, during the weekend, oh, obviously. Absolutely. I feel more and more, and this is a sad, sad fact, I feel more and more like Gomer of like having to do very, very odd things at odd times to make sure that my podcast gets recorded. So um, you're going to record. And edit it and upload it. Or you're going to edit like in the middle of the night. Yeah, probably. Oh, that's a bummer. I know. Yeah. Especially if things go the way that I think that I do. Hmm. Let me start that sentence over. <laughs> Let me have a redo on that. Mulligan. It's a golf term. 
if things go the way that I think they're going to go, I'm going to have to cut and paste a little little extra silos in there. I also have to record the um, the the promo, the ad. You can just week. use mine again if you want. Heck yes. Yeah, they Th- that, they approved it. And she, she, I, when I said it to her, she responded and she said, no notes. I love it. So Great. Let's, you know, why why fix what isn't broken? Exactly. You know? Do I still get the money from that if you're yeah, the only yeah, one that yeah. did the ad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. I did none of the work. Uh-huh. I guess I edit the show yeah, every week. So, okay. Also, you make the show. So, like, the show wouldn't have listeners for that if you didn't make the show. Now, run that by me one more time. I'm in the show. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I thought I was I'm just unclear. in a recording booth shouting directions at you through a microphone, and you were just talking. <laughs> The logistics have always been a point of concern for me. If you weren't in the show, how would the people that skip over me talking listen to the podcast? I forget that somebody said that. That was so harsh. It makes I think about that every day. <laughs> do you? Do you really? No. no. I'm sorry. Okay. Let's say I'm gonna fly to Pittsburgh right now. I'm gonna fly to old Pittsburgh. Give you a big old big old big old, hug. big old hug. <laughs> someone someone once left a review or said something to you that they skip over all of my parts. Um, mm-hmm. in the podcast, and I was like, that's just stupid. That's just a waste of time. <laughs> you must really like well, Ethan's voice if you just want to hear him out of context talking to someone, but you don't want to hear the other half of the conversation. Nasally, gravelly boy, or <laughs> a bearded theologian. Who are you going to listen to? Who would win? Who would win? So the gyms in Pittsburgh opened back up again, finally. So I, I went really? I went to to. to to uh, push heavy things um, up in the air and then back down again, and yeah. um, th- and I am very sore, and I didn't realize how sore I was going to be until this morning, and so I'm making a protein shake. That's why I was drinking a protein shake because I'm incredibly sore. Um, did you go yesterday? I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and so it, in my mind, right? I if you go to the gym you get uh you get to do the bigger weights if you go yes. more right yeah and if you don't go for a long time you have to go back down you do to the smaller ones you do so did you like walk in and like look at kind of the 40 pound dumbbells <laughs> and then just kind of sadly walk over to the 15s or like what? <laughs> no i um i walked over to so i do i do like progressively larger increments like when i'm actually working out so i'll do like one weight and then a higher one and then add 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 but instead i did i did my starting weight which was 115 on the on the bench that's not a brag Uh that's not very good and um that's that's more than i've ever benched oh okay (laughs) that's not good for my body weight i should say um okay that makes because like if you should if you can do a push-up if i could do like a if like if i could do good push-ups i would be able to lift more anyway I, and that was, and usually I'll go 115 and then I'll add 20 and then 20. And then that's, that's my workout for the day. But, um, that's like the main part of the workout, but I couldn't, I couldn't do more than 115. And so I just kept it. And, but that's, the, that was a problem because I shouldn't have done that. Um, I should have started lower. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't do what I wanted to do, which was do all three major lifts in one day just to see where I was. Patrick, that would have been such a bad idea. Such a bad idea. I wanted. I was like, I was like done. I had benched three sets, and I was like, you know what? Now it's time to go deadlift. And I was like, you know what, Pat? No, that's because you're gonna regret this when you're thirty. Did I tell you? I told you last week about how I yartsed at the Murph. (laughs) Sorry, no, you didn't. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> I don't know what those words are, so you probably... <laughs> <laughs> so, the on Memorial Day every year, there's this workout called the Murph. Okay. That uh, is in honor of a, of a soldier. And I forget his story, but every year at training, they have us do this Murph. Well, it's optional, but everyone kind of does it. The first year... I didn't do it out of, and I was shame filled because I was like, I can't do it. Like there's all these missionaries. They're super. The second year I did it out of, I didn't do it out of spite. I was like, look at you guys, you idiots getting up in the morning, working oh, out, <laughs> honoring a fault. No, I'm kidding. I didn't say that, but I was like, I was like, I'm going to sleep. You guys have fun doing this thing. So what it is, is you run a mile and then you come back after you're done running and you do, um, I'm pretty sure it's 100 pull-ups. 200 push-ups and 300 air squats and then you run another mile uh-uh. Uh, <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> and it's very difficult obviously because the pull-ups and the push-ups hit the same muscle group so you're just tired and also the cardio from the air squats um makes you throw up or at least it makes me throw up and so we didn't have a pull-up bar when i did it in Stillwater. So we substituted the pull-ups for sit-ups. Same problem. I still threw up. I, I, yar- I yarched twice. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay, yartsing is throwing up. Yeah, That's what so it I sounded finished, like, yeah. I finished the half Murph, so I ran the mile at the beginning, and then I did uh, however many. I think I did 50 sit-ups, 100 push-ups, and 150 air squats. And then I threw up twice really quickly in a row, and I was losing a lot of fluid, and I figured maybe it's a good time. Maybe it's a good time to to not Murph anymore. <laughs> so I can stop yartsing. That's yeah, an so insane what workout. It's 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 buck wild. But the thing is, is that you just made me think of you talking about doing all the major lifts in one day. Because every time I go and work out, I throw up. What do you do about that? <laughs> I don't. Th- oh, my gosh. Um, I don't. Have you ever thrown up when you're working out? No. What's wrong with my body then? I don't know, man. That. All right. Okay. Hold on. Some people are just like that, though. I've like I've talked to a lot of athletes, like the the soccer guys that I that I know here at Tulsa, and they're like, "Yeah, there's there's a couple guys on the team that like anytime we do something intense, even though they're in shape, they just they just throw up. It's not their fault; it just happens. Maybe and maybe so it's like, just you. Maybe I'm a D1 athlete, and I had no idea. <laughs> maybe you're maybe you're the next Nick Nevy, and we didn't know. <laughs> Does Nick throw up? No, I don't think so. Has he ever thrown up that in perfect, his life? perfect boy? No, definitely not. There's nothing wrong with his body. There's nothing wrong with that right that, now. That boy is now 19 years old. He just had his birthday, and um, he bought, not bought, he rented, obviously. He rented a giant slide, inflatable slide for our backyard. <laughs> and he just That's so funny. And he brought a whole bunch of friends over, and Nick and I were on the phone. Like, my mom was in the room and with him, and I was on the phone, and I was like, Nick, I've been saying this for years. We got to pool our money and we got to buy a bouncy house for the week of the wedding. We got to do it. I don't care. The whole week, we'll just be like, oh, hey, guys, you want to go jump in a bouncy house? Absolutely. Let's do it. I think we should. uh, Yes, we should get a bouncy house. But let me propose this. Seeing as I'm in the wedding and I can make I can make decisions. I'm a ranking officer of this wedding. (laughs) Um, I think we should get. A big slide, mm-hmm. inflatable, mm-hmm. but have it be one of the ones that has like water. Mm, interesting. And so, not only can we be wild, we will also be wet. The problem, the problem I see, I foresee, 
is Tell that um, if we wanted to rent it for more than a couple of days, those things get incredibly hot if you leave them outside in Florida during the day. We'll just put it inside. Uh, my house is not that big. <laughs> it's big enough to house it's... all of us, but it's not that big. <laughs> okay, well... Well, I'll call Della. We'll workshop. We'll, we'll workshop. We'll workshop it. But yeah, he had a whole he had a whole big party on our back porch, and we our our porch got like extreme makeover home editioned. It's like it's oh, really? so nice. Yeah, my mom's been my mom and my dad have been doing a bunch of like home improvement projects for the wedding. So like, my house is gonna be like the spot that week. I know you're not gonna be there the whole week, which is a bummer. But I know, I know, because stupid coronavirus making it so that I have to work. <laughs> Thank you, coronavirus, oh. for not touching my wedding. Please, no viruses touch Patrick's wedding. Please, none. We've been waiting for this for a very long time. <laughs> we really have. Um, do you want to do the hot take time machine portion of the podcast? That's a really good idea. Let's go. Okay, cool. Welcome to the Hot Take Time Machine. It's part of the show where um, I... uh, Okay, so I have a Twitter. I downloaded my Twitter data (laughs) since I deleted the podcast, and it's much easier to use the advanced search to go go back and look at the tweets that we made five years or older. And if you have... If you deleted your Twitter and you want to submit a tweet from the remnants of your... From the remains of your... Info at thecrunchcast.com. Patrick, take it away. Okay. So uh, this tweet is from uh, July 18th, 2014. Okay. Um, Here's the deal to all the evangelicals in my mentions wishing to tell me about my damnation. I was getting in a lot of fights back then. If you can prove Sola Scriptura to me using Sola Scriptura, I'll convert. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. The doctrinal issues that we thought were the biggest deals in the world yeah i mean it's still a big deal it is a big deal it's still a big deal to believe heresy but it's not our response was not what we oh absolutely not because the people the people that are like really hardcore solo scriptura aren't like our protestant friends yeah they're also they're also not morons that we can just own with a tweet yeah it's like they're smart people they just have been misled yeah you know and and that kind of that kind of approach we were always like oh yeah this is it like this is how you do apologetics but it's more just like rude than anything you know yeah and yeah i the the funny the 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 whole sola scriptura thing was like it is one of the biggest it is one of the biggest like theological points of of the modern evangelical movement but like the the actual the actual ideas are really only held by like theologians and people who haven't thought through it very well. Like if if you're really going to be like, no, 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 the only place you can find truth about God is in the Bible. That's just, that's just silly. And I don't think, I don't think Protestants really believe that because you hear Protestants quoting St. Francis of Assisi all the time. Yeah. You know? And so like, see, see our podcast last week, Andy Stanley, Andy Stanley, or we didn't talk about that on the podcast. I put it in the intro. Oh, good, good, good. Um, but yeah, so like we, it's it's a straw man essentially to say, oh, yeah. Protestants only believe that the Bible is right, and so if you can, but I mean, there's 
there's a healthy respect there, at least among a lot of Protestants that I've met, um, where they will read St. Augustine or like, you know, they'll, they'll listen to what he said because he's, you know, early church father, you know, there's, there's a respect there. So I think, I think that's just a goofy thing that I, that I, that I'm glad we grew out of. And I hope that, that young Catholics as a whole can grow out of. Yeah. Dunking on the prots. Everyone should grow just like us. Yes. Um, I was hanging out with my good buddy, Clayton Caldwell, team director at the Oklahoma State University, the Oklahoma State University. And he was telling me a story. So he's from Dallas, Texas. And he's he's now married and he's got a child on the way. So pray for them. Um, he's thinking about naming his son John Catan after the game Settlers of Catan because he lost <laughs> a bet. <laughs> anyway, I just said it's a funny name. That's really but, funny. Uh he was telling me about before he uh, dated and was engaged to his current wife, he dated this girl um, whose father was a mega church pastor. Mm. And so they like sat down at some sporting event and they were talking for a couple minutes. And then after, after a couple minutes, he slaps Clayton on the leg. He says, why don't we go upstairs? Oh, geez. And, <laughs> and so they went upstairs and they sat down and, and in this quiet area and he goes, so I hear you're Catholic. And Clayton's like, yeah. <laughs> He's terrified. And the guy's like, are you Catholic? Are you Catholic, Catholic? And he goes, uh, I'm Catholic, Catholic. <laughs> and and then the guy just asks him, scripture or tradition? And makes him like pick. And he's like, uh, por que no los dos? Both. both. <laughs> <laughs> it is just so funny that it's like, it's just that, that kind of debate, like for the average catholic like yeah. i never really grew up thinking that there were people that just didn't think that the church was a thing that could yeah. have tradition you know and so it's like this it's this raging debate that we don't really see and then we think we get to participate in it right. through twitter.com and we don't but i just i never want to be sat down by a mega church pastor and ask scripture or tradition because i feel like <laughs> all of the things that i've learned over the past however many years will just fall out of the back of my head and i'll just poop let me right there in front of him. <laughs> let me ask you this pastor bob uh cardiovascular system or muscular system which one do you want to have you only get to pick one (laughs) pick one i don't think that's a bad analogy either no i don't think so either the scripture is the heart of the tradition and the tradition makes it move throughout the ages and makes it you know because i i was told by a baptist pastor i went to i went to bible camp one year um i love that that story do you remember that story no i don't know that story (laughs) I went because my friend invited me and I wanted to go. And there was this girl that I thought was kind of cute. And then I was like, oh, sweet. Like, we're going, she's from the church. We're all going on Bible camp. I'll, I'll like, I'll like, I'll like get to know her over the weekend. Over the week, this will be cool. We all got in the, in the, the van the day of, of Bible camp and she didn't. And I'm, and we left and I was like, oh, well, I guess that's, that's oh, not it. That's no. not it. But that was, that was the reason I went. I went because I like, I wanted to go because my friend invited me. Um, but anyway, the, Everybody kind of knew I was Catholic and like we were talking about it and they were like super into it. They were just very interested. And yeah. I didn't realize how angry that made the pastor. Um, oh, no. And he, we were just talking about theology because I was like, I knew I was going to Franciscan. I was like super into talking about theology. This was what year? This is junior. Life? This is junior year. So this oh, was. Oh, this is peak, baby. Oh, yeah. This is, this is peak apologetics, Pat. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I love it. So we're talking we're talking about like 
we're talking about like scripture and we're talking to, and I'm like talking about how much, how great scripture is. Um, there was one instance where we were doing like a Bible study and like, I, I, I talked about like the Greek meanings of the different words and they were like, well, you know so much about the Bible for a Catholic. And I was like, thank you. That's offensive. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but we, he and I were talking and, and, and one point in the conversation, I forget what prompted this, but I was like, that was a strange thing to say. He was like, you know, I just don't think we can, I don't think anyone can say that they know more than the apostles. And I was like, yeah, no, what? obviously not. What do you, what do you, what do you say? <laughs> I think, and also I, I think, I think we can, I think say we, we can say that we know more than the apostles. So I was like, I mean, Peter you heard of math. They didn't know anything about they didn't math. Know they did, yeah, they didn't know anything about math. They didn't know anything about like the world being round. You know, like they, <laughs> we know more than the apostles in science. The apostles struggled to count to like three. You know? <laughs> yeah. No. no. They, well, no. I mean, it's just, it was like a resurrection joke. Oh, fair um, enough. <laughs> uh, they struggled to to. They didn't know how long an hour was. Often, um, <laughs> like. <laughs> The very faithful men, the brightest bunch, questionable. Uh, that's like that's kind of the point, though, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's and that makes me feel good about being mm-hmm. a disciple because I'm a freaking bonehead. Yeah, and and I think I think that's that's the the interesting thing about um, about Protestantism, or at least sola scriptura, is that it's one of those it's one of those things where it's like we want to find the really simple answer and it'd be really really simple if everything we need to know as christians was in scripture like that would make it that would make christianity so much easier yeah if god put literally everything we're ever going to need in the bible that would make everything easy everyone could be a christian on their own and i think that's the reason why we gravitate towards that but it's like scripture is the heart because scripture is inerrant and it tells us about jesus right but the fullness of truth exists in the person of Christ and everything Jesus did can't fit in this book. And the sola scriptura scripture that people use is in first Timothy or second Timothy, I believe. And it's yeah, all, all scripture is profitable for pro- teaching and yeah, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. And that was the reading for mass like yesterday. Yeah. Like we read that all the time in mass <laughs> and, and anyway, it, and, and, and I, and that, that just doesn't, that just doesn't, that doesn't say, all scripture is is the, scripture is the only thing that's profitable for intru- instruction and teaching, etc. Um, but scripture does say that all of the works of Christ couldn't fit in this book. And so, like, I, I just, I just, my point with the pastor back then was like, I don't think that we can restrict our knowledge of who Christ is to the words and interpretation of scripture. I think that tradition is necessary because the apostles told people more than was in scripture because they lived it. Um, so yes, we haven't what talked about say? Protestantism in a while. What? What did he say? I don't remember. Oh. I think that, I think that might've been, he said, I just don't think we can pretend to know more than the apostles. Mm. Um, and I was like, that, that's really sad that you believe that 2000 years later, we don't know anything more than they did doctrine. Like we like doctrine didn't develop at all. You know, that's just kind of sad. Because like yeah. that's not how wa- that's not how paths work, you know. That's not how like, walking works. If you want to be, it's the way is not a treadmill. Yeah, exactly. And like if you're walking through a forest and it's like dense and no one could get through it, and then Christ is the first person to make a way through it, right? And the apostles followed behind him, and it was a rough road. You know, over time, you're going. It's going to become an easier path because more and more people have trotted it and told people behind them how to get there. You know, and so like yeah, it, it, it's it's. 
it's it's like it's a poverty of, of tradition if you don't if you don't um, look further back than the 1500s and I I remember when when the 500 year anniversary of the of the Protestant Reformation happened in 2017 I was seeing like t-shirts about it and I was like you know honestly I don't understand why that's celebratory because it's like it's a it's a schism first of all it's like a fracture in the body of Christ which is bad um and it's people love Martin Luther like, oh Lutherans yeah. are actually they're like they're they'll have they have memes about him and stuff mm-hmm. like they think he's great yeah which is funny because like you know they have pictures of him and it's like I thought you weren't supposed to follow yeah. man's instruction yeah it's just it's 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 just funny when 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 you hear all a lot of the a lot of the well you were talking about this with the whole Andy Stanley thing I don't know if you put this in the podcast but it's like a lot of a lot of the mega churches now they basically just made their own Catholic Church where it's like oh well we have our own we have our our main lead pastor who is the pastor of all of our eight sites across America and they there's individual pastors there and there's like assistant pastors I'm like that's just the hierarchy of the church I thought you didn't like that I thought that was part of the deal. Um, everything time is a flat circle so if you give it long enough everything will come around it's right back to where it started (laughs) right back to where it started you know it's the it's like the horseshoe theory Mm -hmm. levels of irony etc etc you ever get so Protestant you become catholic (laughs) i mean i don't i don't need i don't mean to toot our own horn horn, though but it it took us uh it took us a lot less time to get eight multi multi uh state sites the Catholic Church grew a little bit quicker than that. <laughs> I mean, that should that should be the first thing I pull out of my back pocket when I'm talking to Protestants. Like, how long did it take your church to get eight multi-state sites? Listen, because it took <laughs> it's a Catholic Church one day to get three thousand. All right, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Strap up and strap in. Can I do my hot take now? Yeah, sorry. We talked about this one for a while. No, it's okay. It sounded like you wanted to get something off your chest. So. I did a little bit. I let you go. <laughs> that's the that's good part about parenting is you got to know when to let them oh, go gosh. and when to reel Shut them. up. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's I what I've learned it. from being a dad. That's what I've learned from being a father. I do have three first-year missionaries on my team, so it is kind of like being a dad. That's um, fair enough. I, I love them already. I've had them on my team for a week and a half and they're their they're, pictures I, are I, all up in my wallet <laughs> they flip they flip down like in an accordion <laughs> yeah. it goes all the way down to the floor um so this is from june 22nd 2014 i was about to go to a steubenville conference it says here i'm making flyers and distributing them throughout the arena so everyone knows my chance because i loved the chance at the steubenville conferences that's kind of why <laughs> i went it was because i liked to yell and so um, I, I wrote this chant, um, in a word document and I, instead of taking a screenshot on my computer, I took my phone and I took a picture of the word document. Oh, good. I, and so 
it's to the to the tune of Depeche Mode's "I Just Can't Get Enough," um, which uh, uh, do you want me to? I'll just sing the lyrics that I've written here. Yeah, and then maybe you'll rec- you'll know the real song. Okay, <clears throat> this is I don't like that I've written this, and I don't <laughs> want I don't want to do this, but I know that it's good for the podcast, so I'm gonna do it. Okay, okay. all right, cool, cool. cool. <clears throat> when I'm with you, Jesus. I go out of my head, I just can't get enough, I just can't get enough. All the things you did for me and all the things you said, I just can't get enough, I just can't get enough. We slip and slide as we fall in love, and I just can't seem to get enough of do 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 and I wanted everyone to memorize that and do it with me. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a big ask. It's a big ask because I saw I saw that the the European soccer leagues had these big chants that were super long to European techno music, and I said, "Wow, what if I did that?" But at Steubenville conferences, what if I did and the then, Catholic version of that? Yeah, and then nobody nobody wanted to participate. Yeah, and I was I thought it was such a great idea. I thought everybody knew the song Depeche Mode's "I Just Can't Get Enough," and I got one like. <laughs> and then nobody did it with me so that's really sad i'm sorry i don't know why i don't know, I don't I, know why you're not proud of that song i am not proud of the song because i changed maybe three words like it wasn't really a parody yeah yeah you know? <laughs> uh so it's kind of cheating that's all it, it is kind of cheating i don't yeah let's uh let's do crunch on that okay um it's way too early to make me sing, but since it's we're on the podcast, I'll do this thing. It's time to crunch and talk about uh, some stuff, and um, it, we're going to talk about uh, getting buff. We're going to talk about workouts today. That's what we're going to It's talk. time to crunch uh, and talk about stuff. <laughs> the first, am, the first two verses were, were the first two lines I, were fine, and then the second they just were fell apart. yeah they were they were great. But that's that's what we love about this show. I am uh, I'm surprised that you didn't you don't want to talk about the protests. Oh no, I do. Oh, it's a part of the workout topic. No, no, no. I was I was kidding about the workout topic. That oh. was a, that rhyme. That rhyme was purely because the buff was the only word I could think of that rhymed with Got stuff. Um, and I'm tired of rhyming Pat with that. And so I just and I just wanted to I just wanted to um, mix it up, but yeah, no, we should definitely talk about this instead. Okay. Yeah, I, I wrote a. Um, I've been reading a lot of books recently. I know that's oh, a surprise. Hold on. Um, let me get let me get my Amazon wish list out. Hold on. Before you start talking, I always got to take notes of what you're reading so that I can so, read it uh, six um, months later and pretend to have the same insights as you. That's fair. <laughs> So uh, I read I read this book called um, So You Want to Talk About Race by uh, Ijeoma um, Oluo. I don't know how to say her last name. Um, and then I also read this young adult novel called The Hate You Give, and uh-huh. it was it's about um, it's about a shooting of a young black man, and the girl, the main character, is a girl who was in the passenger seat when it happened. And so it's a pretty intense story, and it's like. Honestly, when I read it, I was like, "This is 
this is like the black to kill a mockingbird. Like I'm not I'm like this is like the to kill a mockingbird for what's going on with race now. You know? Cuz like to kill a mockingbird talked about race in the 1950s, but I think this book is like the perfect updated version of that. Like it's about it's about a young girl dealing with the realities of of race in her in her in her um in her neighborhood and yeah. her father is like he's not he's not perfect, like he's flawed, but he's a great man and he's kind of like Atticus Finch in that sense and um yeah it's a, it was just a, it was an alt it was altogether like a really good book i was surprised it was a young adult novel cuz it was like very you know mature themes but like i mean it's the world we live in now um and it was incredibly sad like it really got me i and and it, and it's i've been reading books like that because i want to i want to be more informed about what's going on you know i want to i want to hear i want to like read fiction by african-american authors so that i can like hear their hear their thoughts and feelings without directly asking them to relive trauma you know yeah certainly does that make sense oh yeah definitely i think it's a good thing i don't know i've been i've been i've been talking about this with i've been talking about the riots and the protests and i've been talking about them with phoebe a lot and on instagram um so i don't know where to start because i have a lot of thoughts i i think you should just start going because if i'm being honest i've lived in a bubble for the past two weeks and i haven't really been on any social media or have looked at i know that things are happening yeah but 10 hours of my day every single day for the past you know Mm -hmm. five days has been dedicated to uh teaching my first years how to raise their entire salary and so fair enough I've, <laughs> fair I've enough been, which is not to say that it's like oh i've been busy so i don't have time to know about racism it's like okay obviously i obviously that's not the case I, it's not the case but um i i do have some thoughts but i would rather you talk about what you've been thinking about first and then i i do have some things that i want to say but i i want to i want to hear yeah so i, I will say because you've been reading for... and i've been i've been uh not doing that i will i will say first of all that um it's we're two white guys talking about this right and like that has implications of of being out of touch but i just it does but also the thing that i've been hearing a lot is people say speak up about this thing yeah and so that's i would if people get mad at us for saying the wrong thing when we're trying to speak up about the thing then i don't understand what the point is so (laughs) yeah i i think we're safe and I think I think that I think um, one thing that we need to understand is that it is okay to talk about race and racial injustice uh, with just you and your white friends. In fact, it's um, almost preferred because I'm sure it's, it's if you only talk about race when your black friends are around, that's probably not a good sign. That's, that would probably I mean, can you imagine that would probably suck like so yeah. hard, right? Like, yeah. oh my gosh! But <laughs> I can't imagine oh, like how how. Let me let me ask you this question, Ethan. How many sure. times in your life have you been okay. called on to represent the thoughts, feelings, and oppression of your entire culture? How many times? Like, how many times has someone who's not from your culture called on you and said, "Hey, can you tell us what it's like to be a white kid from Kansas?" No, <laughs> no, no. Like, I never. can't. I can't say that it it's probably, happened. It's probably exhausting, and the, the fact that the fact that like. The fact that some people have, have dedicated their lives to this fight is just, I mean, first of all, I understand that it's like necessary, but the fact they've done it at all is just commendable. Um, and so anyway, what happened 
Do you want me to start from the beginning? Like, I mean, with I, I, the incident I, with I, George Floyd? Oh, I know about the incident. Okay, and yeah. I know about Brianna, Brianna Taylor. How yeah. do you say that? Brianna I'm, Taylor? I'm pretty sure that's her name, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, I've heard... And I've I've seen um, at least a couple of videos of the of the per- police brutality that's happening now with mm-hmm. all of the all of the protests and everything. Yeah. Um, so I've got I've got the broad strokes. Cool. Um, so I I posted a video on my Instagram at Patrick Nevy I I I about um, okay three well, things soft soft plug soft, soft plug three things that we can actually do to um, to fight to fight this right and it's. Uh, I think first and foremost, we need to listen. We need to listen to black voices, right? Because if you're a, if you're a white person, it's you just it you just don't you don't know what racism is really like. You know, I think I think that's something that like I had to kind of come to grips with because in my experience, I have experienced racism, but like when but like looking back, it's like I got to leave that situation in a couple of years and it's something that African Americans sometimes have to experience throughout their lives, you know? And so from, from what I've been told is like people experience pretty regularly. And so this is something that's experienced. And, and a lot of the times when these police, these police shootings happen or any kind of, any kind of shooting of a, of a black person, the conversation goes the same way. It's like, well, what was he doing? Or what was she doing? Or like, well, what if she was a criminal? Or like, what if the cop felt in danger or whatever? And I think it it just comes down to like, first of all, um, there's no crime that I can think of that deserves immediate death in such a way, especially death by strangling. Um, And similar, and then on this, in the same line, you hear the the police the police defense all the time like oh well the police felt threatened and i just i i there was a video of a young man who was uh picking up garbage outside of his dorm he was like doing janitorial work and a cop came up to him and said hey do you live here and they had like a standoff essentially and he he was holding a trash picker upper and the cop was like sir please put that down like and he called it and he's like hey i have a suspect he's holding a blunt object he's like a blunt object what's the blunt object what is it say what it is it's a trash picker upper and the cop cut the cop was like i feel very threatened by you but it's like why do you feel threatened by him he's just a dude you have a taser and a gun and like the law backing you up like what on earth do you feel and probably some by? combat training yeah exactly like what what is a what does a regular old citizen have to threaten you with, you know, especially if he's just minding his own business. And like what I've, what I've kind of come to the, I've kind of come to the conclusion that the prob that the reason why shootings like this devolve into race. And it's uncomfortable for some white people to talk about this because it, 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 it puts, it sheds a light on a situation we might not be aware of. And, and what you want to say is, well, and I've, I've, I've heard a ton of people say this, like, well, well, black shootings by cops don't even happen that often. Like, like the majority of black deaths aren't due to cops. Like, that's not exactly a helpful statistic, but it's true. And the majority of... of, of and they uh, say that like it's a good thing. It's like, oh, yeah, the police force tasked with protecting us doesn't actually shoot most of the people. It's like, okay, But they still normal. do. Like, they still normal. do. They still, they still do. Their job is to make sure people don't die. Yeah, and I... <laughs> and and the other thing is like, well, if, when, a, when a cop shoots an unarmed white man, it's just different it just has to it just is because like there's there's no 
racial bias there. Like if a white cop shoots a white black man, there's no racial bias. But these little that's why I think that's why people talk about microaggressions. And it's something that I kinda I kinda like was hesitant to to see when I was in high school because it just sounded so like so petty. But microaggressions, especially against people of color, it, it comes down to like when you when you when your brain defaults to seeing someone as quote unquote the other and then you're in a high stress situation and that person of color you see them as the other in that in that situation you're more likely to react more um uh irrationally and then if you also have a gun in your hand that person is more likely to die and so it's not the fact that racism always leads to black people dying it's the fact that it can and it is deadly and racism that we allow to exist in society does actually lead to um does actually lead to death the default assumption that black men are criminals right the default assumption that like yeah that's like the default assumption that that black people are up to no good when you approach them on the street right like george floyd was approached for a reason you know like there's um and it's not even just about george floyd you know i've been there was a list posted and it was the names of everyone from from trayvon to george floyd right like that's that's eight years of names um, Dang. I don't know if you know these stories, but honestly, it doesn't even start with Trayvon. It starts with Emmett Till. You know Emmett Till? Oh, I know all about Emmett Till. Yeah. So hopefully yep. we don't have to re we don't have to rehash that story. But that's yeah. like that's the deep seated that happened seventy years ago. My yeah. grandfather is eighty, right? That's in recent memory. Okay. We can't just pretend <laughs> that that's an archaic thing of the past, you know? Um so like this do you know who Sandra Bland was? No. She was a college student. She was pulled over by a cop because he suspected her of drugs. You know why he suspected her of drugs? Because she had she out black. of state. No, she had out of state oh. license plate, and so he pulled her over. Right. Oh, okay. Oh, you forgot to signal, right? And so he pulled her over, and he like got her for a minor thing. And then when he saw her color, right, he was like, "Oh, she's definitely, she definitely has drugs." She had she had uh, fast food bags on the floor. The police force was trained to look for out of state license plates because drug runners rent cars and look for food bags on the floor because they don't want to get out of their car. And I was like, you know who else has those two things in common? College students. Yeah. Trash on the floor of their car and they're from out of state. So yeah. he, she was, she was angry and, and understandably upset. Right. But is this recent? A, yeah, this was 2016. Gotcha. When a black person becomes angry, right They're excuse me, calm down. Like you're, you're being, you need to, you need to stop resisting. Like you need to just comply with my orders. Right. Yeah. And they all of a sudden, because they have this implicit bias of, of black people being dangerous, right? They immediately mm-hmm. get on the defensive. But if yeah. I yelled at a police officer in just a one-on-one situation, they'd probably be like, "Oh, this guy's this guy's mad," you know? Look they're not this. not Look this guy's this. dangerous. Look at this cute little guy. Look <laughs> at all. Look at how angry he's getting. So it's like, what? That's she was arrested for resisting arrest, difference. which is weird yeah. because you can't get arrested for just resisting arrest. You have um, to start getting arrested for something. <laughs> you have to first. start getting arrested first. You get, and then it's not really funny because um, yeah. she was so traumatized by the fact she like she felt like her life was over. She committed suicide in herself. Oh no! Yeah, and um, dang, Emmett. Uh, no, sorry, not Emmett. Um, uh, Tamir Rice was playing with a toy gun in a park, and um, cops told him to put it down. And they were like, "Oh, we were, we were, we were afraid." He was a kid. He was twelve. They body slammed his sister and handcuffed her because she was there, right? And they, they needed to take they needed three men to take these two kids down, and he got shot. 
because he was playing with a gun because it's statistically proven right that we look at young black men as older than they are right um yeah i i it's funny because right before all this started i watched a documentary called the red pill and it's a um it was a documentary made by a feminist who wanted to document the men's rights movement and it was really interesting watching her go and talk to people that she was like the sworn enemy of because she like hated these guys yeah and they were just kind of talking about the issues that men face right higher suicide rates um, more likelihood to be injured or killed on the job um, more likely to be imprisoned for longer sentences than women for the same crime less likely to get child custody etc and while researching racism in this country i've realized that actually these men's rights issues are actually intersectional with african-american issues because black men african-americans are more likely to get harsher sentences for similar crimes Men are more likely to get harsher sentences for similar crimes, which means black men are more likely like by I think it's I think it's men are six times more likely. African-Americans are four times more likely, which means that black men are like 24 times more likely than a white Dang. woman to get a longer sentence. Because those things multiply. Right. Um, when in schools, right in schools, uh, kids are marked as disciplinary as disciplinary issues. Right. And if they if they act in a way that a teacher doesn't approve of. Right. And so. A young black kid will be like a little more, a little more rambunctious, right? When a white kid's rambunctious, he's being a kid. When a black kid's rambunctious, he's being a behavior problem, right? You mark him as behavior problem. He feels, he feels like crap because you made him feel like crap. He acts out more because he, he, he's basically just proving you right. That's how kids work. If you label them, they'll just continue to label. So he gets that label in elementary school. He starts, he starts hating authority in middle school and acting out. That continues into college. He commits a petty crime. He goes to jail. He comes out. He's more likely now to be a repeat offender. And then he just goes right into the system again, right? And this is called the school-to-prison pipeline. And it's, it's, it negatively affects black and, and Latino men more than anyone else, right? And um, this, is the, this is the reality that we live in. Um, we... We have systemically oppressed black people. Yes. I, I mean, we did. Like, after, have you watched the documentary 13th on Netflix? No. Watch it. There's a, okay. I didn't know this. There's a, there's a part in the 13th Amendment that says it's like slavery is abolished in the United States except for in the instance of a crime. What? Oh, yeah, because of you can make prison people do stuff. Yeah, and so prison people, I guess they're called prisoners. Yeah, that would be the word. <laughs> we could call them that. Um, but if you were a racist in when that was that law was passed, you could see that loophole and go, "Aha! I know what we'll do. Let's start a jail. Let's start a jail. Let's, Let's just start make a for-profit jail. You know, and that's like in the 1990s, coming hard, coming down hard on drugs, right? That negatively affected black neighborhoods, right? Like yeah. the whole zero tolerance policy negatively affected, negatively affected African-Americans. And um, yeah, it's just, and, and the other thing is, and this, that's something that's like within the system that needs to be changed. The whole property taxes funding schools is also garbage. Um, if you're in a richer neighborhood, your property taxes are higher. Therefore, your schools are better funded. Therefore, my low-income minority neighborhoods are most negatively affected by this. I don't know why yeah, there's, that's. There's I don't know why that's still a that. thing in 2020. That doesn't make yeah. sense to me. Who's in um, charge of that? Department of Education. I'm not sure. Or is it? Or is it state by state? Anyway, it's not. I think it's state by state. But gosh, here are the things. Here are the things we have to realize. Even if we changed all of these laws tomorrow, the reality of systemic racism is that it's not just in the system; it's in the culture. And the reason is, 
Five generations ago, Ethan, where were your ancestors? Germany. Cool. I think. Right. Um, I, I don't that's, know. That's a guess. Right. But, yeah. Um, three generations ago, where were your ancestors? Northeast Kansas. Yeah, cool. So, like, that's kind of the thing is, like, do you know bo- Do you know all four of your grandparents? Yes. Cool. You know both of your parents? Yes. You have aunts and uncles that support you that are across the country? Yes. The thing, the thing about a lot of African American families, right, is if you if you trace back generations, right, a generation ago, there were colored drinking fountains. A yeah. couple of generations before that, there was literal slavery. Two generations ago, the, the I there's this this man who gave a gave a talk at um, K State one year, and it was I remember this moment. His his name is Bernard Franklin, and he worked at K State, which is a very white place. <laughs> yeah. And um, he would often, and he was Catholic. He was a convert to Catholicism and he used to be a pastor of his own church. He's very, and he now I think works at um, uh, some, some Catholic university in the Northeast. I can't remember the name, but he often talks about like the racial discrepancy in the church and how we treat, how he gets treated differently in the Catholic church, especially. Yeah. And the thing that I remember the most, well, not the thing I remember the most, but one of the things that I remember is like, his, he talked about how his dad was a sharecropper and I was like, Oh, Oh my gosh. That's like a, yeah. Like I mean, that, that was old. a key term in history. Exactly. Like he's older. I was like, I remember reading that in seventh grade, yeah. you know, like wh- that, that was like his reality is that he was raised on a sharecropping farm, d- dirt poor, on a sharecropping farm where functionally his dad was a slave, you know? Right. Because they didn't have enough money to, to do anything other than maybe barely get enough food for maybe barely the kids to eat. And, and there's like, this, yeah, that was crazy. There's this myth in America that's it's true in a sense, but it's really mostly true for white middle class people is that oh if you have the if you have the chops you ah. can get out of any situation. Okay. You can, anybody <laughs> straps, baby. <laughs> if you got the job, like if you if you're smart, you can get a scholarship and you can go to Yale, right? Um, but do you think that was like a reality for most children of sharecroppers? No, 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 no. And how short is a generation? This is just the best. This is the best illustration I can think of. The eighth years? president, the eighth president of the United States. Okay, the eighth president of the United States has a living grandson. To be fair, that guy's like a hundred and seven. Yeah, no, so. he's like he's like in his in his nineties. So like this guy had a kid when he was sixty. That guy had a kid when he was sixty, and that guy's still alive, right? So that's that's the point. Is like that's how short some generations can be. And my grandfather taught my dad certain things about the world, and then my dad taught me those things about the world. Imagine if your grandfather grew up as was the racist. child of slaves, right? Oh. Let's just say this. Let me just okay. say your grandfather was brought up as a child of slaves, right? Okay. And then his kid was brought up in the civil rights movement, and then you're now, you're now a person, right? Just like you're just now a guy <laughs> okay. living now, right? Okay. Um, what would your attitude be towards the world? What what advantages would you have? You would have pretty much none. Like you're you're still living with the reality of distrust of authority. You're still living with the reality of the fact that your your grandfather, if your grandfather probably didn't go to college, it's probably you're likely that your your dad didn't go to college. It's like you know, like we have we effectively oppressed an entire race, right? And we still feel the effects of that generationally. And it's going to take time. This is my point. I could have just said this. It's going to take time. 
it's going to take time to undo that. It's going to take generations to undo that, you know? Um, and so we need to give advantages to disadvantaged people. I think that's a fair thing to say. Yes. What were you going to say? <laughs> well, <clears throat> so, hmm, I feel like a lot of people are going to take umbrage with what I'm I agree with everything that you're saying. Cool. But, so the... Right, so the, so the solution is to is to change who's in power, right? Well, yeah, definitely. And because that's why that's why everyone's like, all right, this is why it's so important to vote. Make sure you write your congressman. All of these things. And to, to me, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. To me, that sounds like, all right, guys, the system is corrupt. Now let's use the system to fix everything. And it's like, <laughs> well, hold on, like I. I'm not I'm probably not a very good American I suppose like I I really have very little faith in the in democracy yeah <laughs> um especially in America because the, the it just the fact is is like yeah I can write a letter to my congressman or I can like vote for somebody else but at the end of the day there's a there's a billionaire backing that candidate right that will say hey if you don't support this legislation or if you do support this legislation I'm going to pull my funds for your reelection campaign. Yeah. And that and that decides what that person does. Not not at all what I'm voting for and not at all what anybody what what even they say when they're going to get elected because it's all completely controlled by uh lobby interests. And so it's like, okay, great. I would I'd be more than happy to to write a letter if I thought it did a damn bit of good. You know, I'll just throw a piece of paper in the trash myself. You know, like why? Why do I? Why do I need to mail it to yeah. to some secretary who's going to open it and they're going to make a nice post? Be like, look at all the mail we've got from our constituents. This is amazing. And then th- things go back to business as usual. You know, like yeah. why? Why should I participate in this farce? Um, That's in why. The, in the name of like, it's good, right? I think people should be involved and like t- desire to do something and protest and desire change and all these things and, but. But I have so, so little belief that anything mm-hmm. institutionally will will come about from, like, the democratic system, you know? And, and I, I think I'm willing reason, to be I'm willing to be told that I'm wrong and an idiot about this. But that's those are my initial thoughts. I don't think you're an idiot. I think you're a little wrong. I okay. think that. Um, so billionaires back in congressmen. Right. First off. Billionaires have less of an incentive to back members of the house of representatives right because okay. there's so many of them and there's so few billionaires right that like senators it's a drop insert insert yes. whoever needs to be backed by a billionaire here but yeah so you know, no but that's, what, that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying is like if if the the more constituent focused a politician is if you wrote a letter to president trump he's not gonna read it yeah his staff might not even read it if you write a letter to the senator, to your senator, I can tell you, if you call your senator, I can tell you they take your they take your they take your uh, your voice into account. They do. It might be a tally mark, it might be a summary given to the given to the senator. You might not read the whole letter. But there are people in the senator's office that do that. Um my cousin's actually one for a senator. He works in Capitol Hill. Um Flex. And he listens to the podcast, so he may correct me if I'm wrong. No, um, I, we should have him on. We should actually tell me if, tell me why I should believe in this in this broken broken system, please. So I think I think the the reason why it's broken is not because people are are 
specifically trying to game the system. That's one thing that I think people don't realize. And the reason why racism is such a hard, a hard topic to talk about now is because people aren't dedicating their lives and their, their lives to it anymore. People aren't, um, at least on a major scale, people aren't saying, um, politicians aren't saying, yeah, I'm running to like dismantle uh, mm-hmm. racist, systemic racism because that, because people, because people that are not of color, namely white people, um, don't experience it and they don't see it as overtly anymore. And it's so, it's insidiously in the system. And so what's happened is not a sin of commission. It's a sin of omission. What's happened is that corruption doesn't happen when people are specifically trying to game the system as it happens more easily when people are just not paying attention. Because when you leave, when you leave your car sitting in a parking lot for two months, like I did, right, it's bound to rust. And then you're going to have to take it in to get some pretty severe, uh, severe uh, uh repairs that's patreon.com slash the crunch um <laughs> but i think i think something that um anyway something that can be done right is like you said a billionaire is more likely to fund the campaign of a senator um a billionaire is less likely to fund the campaign of a congressperson and sure. so writing a congressperson is going to be more effective than writing your senator in my opinion and then down the line, right? If think about think about what I said about the property taxes, right? Yeah. In order to property taxes are schools. In order to get a large wealthy school who is probably still running in the red sometimes to give up their funding, you would have to incentivize them to do that. And so th- that would not happen on a federal level. Not. It wouldn't. Not right away, but it might happen in your state. It might happen in your district. So, like, you can write a letter, a well-formed letter to state and local representatives. Because state and local representatives, two people contact their state and local representatives. Two people. Lobbyists and crazy And Patrick. People. And, oh. <laughs> yes, you're right. Um, you've watched Parks and Recreation. I feel like that's not far off. If the people who go to city council meetings usually are very invested or they're insane. Yeah. And because that's the only thing they have to do, right? Because the average citizen, again, is, is committing a sin of omission. They don't know that this issue happens. And they aren't doing anything about it. And I think the 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 incredible thing that's come out of this is that people are actually waking up. And I see fewer and fewer of my friends saying the same thing. As, every time this happens, fewer and fewer people say all lives matter. I think I think that's a I think that's a step in the right direction. Absolutely. I think I think the more and more this happens, people go okay. Hold on, we might have a problem. Which is why I don't know if you saw my recent blog post. Uh, I wrote a this... blog post about planes falling out of the sky. Was was it Acme America? Yeah. Okay. Oh, God. so you did re- you did read it? I didn't know if I understood the metaphor, but I think I got it. <laughs> it's like it's like imagine imagine if a plane fell out of the sky, you'd be like, oh wow, that's horrible. That's really sad that a plane fell out of the sky. All those people died. And like, well, planes don't always fall out of the sky, so I guess planes are safe. But then uh, the planes keep falling out of the sky. You're going to ask some questions, <laughs> you know? And then yeah. the whole point of the, the article was that they, they revealed that the company was actually, like, cutting corners. And so that led to engineering costs, which led to engine failure, which led to plane crashing. So it's not directly their fault that the planes crashed. You can't blame the plane. You have to blame the people that let the plane fly in the first place. So, like, you can't blame the plane because a corrupt plane is going to crash and kill people. You know, yes. like arrest the cop, decommission the plane, do it. But that's not the end of the fight. You have to figure out why they let a racist cop on the street. How do we not have 
systems in place, right? You can write a letter to your local police chief and say, hey, do we have uh, racial bias training? You can write a letter to your school board and say, hey, do we have racial bias training? Because I, because uh, in our district, you can look up statistics, in our district, uh, minorities are more of a dis- have more disciplinary issues against them than white kids. And I know as a white kid that I did just as many bad things as my black friends. Um, so why, why did they get, why did they get punished more often than I did? And it's, there's, there's implicit bias in some teachers and only takes one teacher to ruin a kid's life, right? All it takes is one teacher to say to a, literally told, told a friend of mine, um, he failed a test and she handed him a McDonald's application. She would do that to kids. She was a remedial reading teacher and she would hand kids applications to McDonald's if they failed a test. That's now, so rude. Now, my friend was white. He was like, wow, that's really mean. But could you imagine if you were like, if you were poor, right? And like all you if. pretty much ate was McDonald's and then she handed you that and she, she's basically saying like, this is where you stay. Like stay in your place. <sighs> that's that's the reality that we're dealing with, right? Like that's systemic racism. It's because there, there are systems in place that allow people like that to get away with what they do to people, right? And so those are the letters we need to be writing, sure. right? Don't do a, so like the, the, the common thing with grassroots movements is do a boilerplate letter that you send to like the mayor. Like there's the, the eight can't wait campaign right now. Eight can't wait is a great campaign. It has really solid legislation um, that is like, it could affect sub- substantial change, right? But if you copy and paste a boilerplate letter and they get a bunch of those letters, your voice isn't gonna be heard and you might even they might even ignore it. Um, I'm not saying don't do it, but I am saying that like one was like send it to the mayor of Houston. I was like, great, that's a good idea. But the mayor of Houston is the mayor of a city of like a million people, like millions of people. Um, write a letter to your local, you know, local city council. I don't know. Yeah, that makes more sense. Um, I guess I just never think about local government. Yeah, which is crazy because that's the point of local governments. Yeah. There's a reason why local governments are structured the same way as the federal government. It's because state and local governments are laboratories of democracy. Yes. So I I think that's good. And I think that's a good uh, response. Um, And I do think, yeah, up until this point, it's not that there are people who are paying attention who are like, yeah, systemic racism is still an issue. Like every time something would happen, um, like Eric Garner or whoever, right? Yeah. Um, it would come up and it was just never as we're very uh, fortunate that this happened. I mean, not fortunate people have been dying, but like right after the coronavirus, because people have just been all cooped up and then finally this happened and they're like, Oh shoot. You know, like yeah. I, I got all this energy and now I can direct it towards it something, that, something that's good. And yeah, I just, it's the, the thing is, is like, I really hope that, I don't I don't believe that my my vocation in life is to be a politician who runs on the platform of uh destroying systemic racism in America, right? I I yeah. I don't think that that's my bag. Um not that I don't believe in it, not that I wouldn't vote for somebody who says that, but that's just that's just not me. And so um I think really the only thing that we can do, right, is continue to pray, pray that someone like that um comes around which might take 10 years, you know, yeah. for, for that person to rise through the ranks enough to affect some actual change, um, to get the people who are currently in power out of power. Um, we can write our local, local people and say, Hey, this, this kind of stuff, like 
especially now with all the momentum of what's going on. Yeah. The again, the cynical side of me. Again, this is why this is why I'm a bad American because I'm not a dreamer. But the cynical side of me wants to say like, well, as soon as all the media coverage of this dies down, everyone's just going to go back to business as usual, and everyone's going to be like posting pictures of. Remember the time we were protesting and and then nothing happened. You know, and then they're going to say, this is still a problem. It's like the whole thing with Flint, Michigan. People bring up Flint, Michigan every couple of months, be like, reminder, they still don't have water. It's like, okay. What did we do? <laughs> yeah. Like, thanks for reminding us. You know, it's like, it's one of those, it's, yeah, okay. And people are going to, I I don't want to believe this. I want to believe that there's actual real change that's going to happen. Yeah. But part of me has just seen this this circus so many times that is like, even just in my short life, I'm only alive 23 years. Like, I've seen this happen. People get super riled. Occupy Wall Street, right? We're really going to take down big banks. Okay. Good job. Proud of you. You really did a great job <laughs> occupying <laughs> Wall Street. It lasted for four days. Um, and, yeah, I really hope that this is different. And it, it, I guess it will just take more of a participation from, from everybody to keep it going to the point where, uh, I guess, either the people – who are elected representatives and the people who've been appointed feel a legitimate need to do something rather than let's just ride this wave until it's over so that we can go back to doing what we're doing. Like that's hopefully, hopefully that's what happens. And I I pray for that to happen. And now I feel like I have something that I can contribute to it, but um, there's, there's still that piece in the back of my brain. That's like, ah, this, this is all folly, you know? And, and like, that's fair because we, we have the privilege to be able to leave yeah i said this in my video we can we get we vacation in black oppression right we come mm-hmm. in and we we say oh wow this is really bad we got to do something about that okay let me bye, take a break let me take it's a break from my six-figure startup yeah, right? job to go protest you know it's kind of like, how we treat the country of jamaica we <laughs> <okay>. go <laughs> we go in we vacation we don't leave the resort because that's incredibly uncomfortable and then we go home and we go, wow, I went to Jamaica. And there's like children starving on the other side of the island, right? Um, it's like, that's that's how we treat that's how we treat this movement. And the Catholic response sometimes, man, like in the past, I've just been so disappointed that <laughs> I was on the Catholicism subreddit, which is a horrible place to be. Yes. And they put a moratorium on George Floyd post. No, why? Because um, they were like, sorry, we don't do political posts except for Mondays. And I was like, okay, first off, um, do you only do pro-life posts on Mondays? Because that is also a human rights issue that's a hot-button, quote-unquote, political issue. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I bring that up not because I want to shame the moderators of the Catholic, uh, the, the, uh, the subreddit. Um, I do, but I don't, I'm not going to do that now. Um, I bring that up because we, we, have, a, we have a temptation, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an honest temptation we have, to, we have to address in ourselves, that we look at this and we see a political issue. Um, it's not a political issue, except for the fact that like politics needs to change. Um, it's a political. It's not a. It's not a party line issue, right? It's not a. De- it's not a liberal thing to want systemic racism to stop. Yeah. Some people seem to think it's a liberal thing to to believe that racism still exists. That's oh an idea that's out there. But I think that that's goofy. I think that we have to be honest and say that it's not. You're not going to be betraying the party. If you uh, if you try and fight this a little bit, like you're not gonna you're not gonna be. That's the that's the weird thing about parties is that we kind they kind of take everything, and they make it once they make it up or down on their side or not. Like I don't understand why 
pro-life Democrats aren't more of a thing. It's because party the line, same baby. reason. It's the same reason why, like, uh, it's, it's all the about same that reason. money. Yeah, and that's that's the point, right? Like, that's the point that you're trying to make. It's like that's really the issue is that um, federal politicians are very entrenched on the party line, but your local, your honestly, your state and local probably aren't. They're just people from your town that are running. You know, it's yeah. very chill. I voted in the primaries recently. The Pennsylvania primaries were um, on Tuesday. And a bunch of people I never heard of. And I had to research them and make... That's that's the one thing. is like you got to research these people because the news, the news doesn't tell you who to vote for. That's the right. problem. Yeah. It's not easy. <laughs> I, um, I, do, I do have to go. Uh, oh, yeah, you do. That's right. Um, but the, the last thing I'll say is like I feel like the the two things that I've seen that I want to comment on that I think are kind of dumb is people dismissing having to take any action by saying it's a complex issue. That just means that you refuse to do any work. And, (laughs) and two, um, I also don't like people saying like when people speak out and say black lives matter and they say these things that are really good to say, they say, wow, thank you so much for like risking your reputation. It's like, you're not, nobody's risking their reputation at this point. Like everyone's pretty much on this. Well, not everybody. I won't say everybody. But the 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 social current right is on yeah. the side of Black Lives Matter. So you're not really risking any monetary loss by saying <laughs> Black Lives Matter. Like you're not. It's it is it's a good thing that needs to be said because being silent about these things is wrong. Um, but I but I don't think that you're particularly brave for making a Facebook post. You know, like that no, doesn't really yeah. count as speaking up. And you're not. And really you're doing a disservice to the entire move and the people that are affected by this problem. You're like, yeah. look at me, I am a white savior. Yeah. So those are those are the final two thoughts. We do not have time for Doctor Ethan's dating corner. We do not, which is sad. Um, follow Patrick on his blog, which is patnevy.blog, Right. Yep. Let's go. I remember stuff. Follow me at, and you can follow Patrick at Patrick Nevy I I I on Instagram. <laughs> and Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? No. All right. Um. Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We will be praying for you, and we will see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>